Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it I'll tell you what, Montreal is a city that is unapologetically beautiful. And that's where we are live right now. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus. And we are live in Montreal. Well, thank you. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. Usually we take callers, but instead, we don't want you to have to pull out your phone right now. We have a microphone right over here. I'm sure a spotlight will illuminate it, and it will look very angelic. And it looks like we already have a few people lined up. That is good news. But before we get to those questions, we have a very special guest tonight, a person who has been influential to both of us. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He is the CEO of a very large tech startup now. We're going to talk a lot about that, and he's a good friend of ours as well. Ladies and gentlemen, oh yeah, and he's a local guy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Julian Smith. <laughs> All right, so... so we were down in the green room earlier, and I, I kept starting to ask Julian questions. I'm like, save it. I've got to save it. I've got to save it. So here's the first thing I can tell you. When, when I describe Julian's work to people, which I've done many times, he wrote a book called The Flinch, which if you haven't read, read it. Uh, it was written like one tweet at a time. But the way I describe Julian's uh, work and what he used to do, and we'll get to that in a moment, the, how, how he transitioned and what he's doing now. But I, I think there are some people like me and Ryan, sometimes we'll like, we'll hold your hand across the finish line, right? Like, I'm not going to drag you kicking and screaming to success, but I will, I will hold your hand and help you across. But, but Julian will pick you up, he will shake the hell out of you, and he'll set you down, and you will, he's one of the few people you'll actually thank for doing something like that. Uh, it's, 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 it's quite the skill. And, and uh, the book, The Flinch, and also... Um, used to blog. I was going to say you blogged, um, but you were one of the people who, who inspired us to even start our, our blog at all. I mean, I remember being in the corporate world, and I needed that shaking. I needed someone to sort of pick me up and say, um, what the fuck are you doing with your life? <laughs> and I think you have probably said that verbatim. Uh, to people, uh, at least writing online, and you were able to do that in a way that I didn't, I wasn't offended by it. It made me sort of look in the mirror and say, oh yeah, that, that is a question I should be asking. You know, earlier during the talk when I was talking about there are some difficult questions we have to ask ourselves as opposed to just you know, sort of going with the flow, easing through life, and I wasn't asking those questions. So first off, I just want to acknowledge you and say thank you for helping me ask some of those questions, man. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. He, yeah, he was like a total huge inspiration to all of this. This is really weird for me, guys, right now. <laughs> Super weird. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you, man. Yeah, for sure. So, so let's, let's talk about um, three years ago this month, and I, just, I know this because on the drive up from Ottawa today, I, I, I looked, I'm like, it's been such a long time since I've read anything online from Julian. Three years ago this month was your last blog post. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and um, you transitioned because you, you started a, a tech startup. You had an idea for a company called Breather. Can you tell me a little bit about Breather? Because I'll, I'll explain it like this. It's, it's Airbnb for office space, but I know that doesn't that's, do it that's justice. That's one way to talk about it. I mean, what, the, the short version is, is I had y'all's life for a form of y'all's life for like many, many years. Our writing. current life where you yeah. were blogging and, and he and was just, podcasting before it was called podcasting, by the way. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, and, 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 uh, and what happens, and I think your idea of, of, uh, of the, the, the deliberate life that you all have chosen to live and to guide people with and I think inspires a lot of people, is something that I, I took really seriously. And at some point I was like, am I gonna do this forever? And, and I think you have these moments and, and you think to yourself, what if I could do something else? What if I could reinvent myself? How many times can I reinvent myself? Do I, do I have that capacity? Am I just this or can I be something else? And, uh, and so I decided to start a company that was based around space that connects uh, that, that allows people to open up rooms across cities, and which now is like pretty big. We've raised some like $100 million. We, I have 250 employees, 150 of them are in, here in Canada. A few of them are here in this room. And, uh, and, and our company is doing super well, and I completely reinvented my life from uh, this thing that I did before, that I still am. This book still reaches a lot of people, which is awesome. And then, but I, Despite the anxiety and despite the fear of not knowing, I started over, and that was a really powerful moment. What? So I had you know one big reset, obviously, when I talked about my mom dying, my marriage ending, and it was sort of a, it was like getting in two car crashes at once, sort of, right? You get sideswiped, then you get hit by another car, and all of a sudden. You, everything's in a tailspin. It, it wasn't that same way for you, and it wasn't the same way for, for you either, Ryan. It, it, sometimes it doesn't require the, I mean, there, there are these inciting incidents, but it doesn't have to be this, this car crash. Was there an inciting incident? Was there an idea that you were like, oh, oh shit? Or was there a need that, that, was, that was missing out there? You're like, I need to fulfill this. I just, I just realized, uh, what I, I had written three books, I had written a thousand blog posts, I think you guys have written that much for sure and over 100 podcasts, and, and at some point I was like, huh, I was like, am I gonna be the best in the world at this? Could I, should I be the best in the world at this? And progressively I just started to think, huh, and I had thought about different people, you know, that we all know, like Seth Godin and these other, these other bloggers and writers and, and, and people that we, really, that we were really influenced by, and I thought, can I make more of an impact? And, and in my life I decided that the answer would be yes. And, and, and it's amazing, you, you often, we often cross people, I think you guys cross people from that circle all the time, I cross people from that circle all the time, sometimes they just keep persevering, you guys just kept persevering, and it has done, it's become an amazing thing. And that perseverance is sometimes the right answer. And then other times, the reinvention is the right answer. And you can only really know if you, you know, once you choose one. You know, a, a lot of people, uh, they will ask me like, hey Ryan, Oh, or less, you know, Josh, hey, Josh, like you guys were in the corporate world and then you decided to reinvent yourselves and then, you know, you started this blog and it turned into books and a documentary and so forth and so on. And they're like, how did you do that? 
And you know, the, the first thing I say is, is like, I did not just quit my job and start a blog. <laughs> like it's, it's the worst advice anyone can give you. <laughs> but I'm interested in, you, you quit your blog and started a job. <laughs> so um, I guess just speak to that transition a little bit. I mean, uh, it's progressive. I, I remember having an idea. I thought, huh. I'm stuck like you guys, you don't really have an office, you're, just, you're stuck in coffee shops all the time. And I was like, man, there's like no place for me to go other than this coffee shop. And I thought, huh, it's interesting. And I feel like the best idea is if something sticks with you for a long time and you almost reject that idea and you think, nah, it's, like, it's probably not nothing, but then it keeps coming back to you like over and over and over again in a different form. And so at, there was a period of time where I thought, well, I'm gonna rent a space near my house, which is still where we live in St. Henry, not far from here. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm just gonna give the keys to a bunch of different people and people can show up and they can meditate there or they can you know, relax or do whatever the hell they want for like a couple hours. So it won't be a coffee shop, it'll just be our place. And I thought, huh, what, what else could I do with that? And then progressively, now we have 500 spaces and 300 buildings, you know, and it's become this really big thing and it does exactly what that thing is. But it's because an idea that I could not get rid of. Mm. And, and, and you have to try, because lots of ideas feel good for like a short period of time. <laughs> but most, most of them, <laughs> over time, you're just like, this is, wait, this was stupid. I, sh I should not have, <laughs> fuck. Uh, but, didn't, but didn't the idea change over time? Because I remember when you first were sort of pitching it, uh, and you were talking about your, this idea that you had to me, and it sort of started off almost as, a meditation space almost exclusively like or, or meditation loosely speaking like get me away from the craziness of a city especially like a place like New York how do I get away from this for an hour hour and a half whatever mm -hmm. but now it's morphed into you you can have a, a business meeting there you can yeah. have a therapy session there you can uh, you you have uh, like tutors who are tutoring using the space to tutor kids and uh, I, I think that the same thing has happened to us on the other side where the idea morphs. Like, yeah, we started a blog and then people are like, hey, when are you going to write a book? I'm like, huh, that's, that's an idea. And, um, and then over time, you know, we did social media and the podcast. By the way, Julian started podcasting in 2004, I think it was. Yeah, a long time ago. And, and um, I remember when I first discovered his writing, it was like 2010. And... Uh, Man, I was like, I'm so glad he got over that whole podcast phase because that thing is never going to last. <laughs> and um, and here we are. <laughs> so so, can you talk about the, that idea? Maybe it, it, sometimes they change, or sometimes they grow to include more than what you thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean that's true. The best ideas just take on a life of their own, right? And so what I what I always find is I would noodle with something. Everybody here has had an idea before. Then you have that idea and you'll try to tell someone and they'll be like, eh. And most of the time the answer is like, meh. And then that's okay. It's just like, you, 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 nobody had just has, only has one idea, you have tons, right? So it's just like, you'd keep throwing like a variation of it out there. And then I would, I would find a variation of that idea. I don't remember how I talked about it then and I'd just throw it at people and they'd be like, that would be amazing. And like over and over and over again, like that would be amazing. Like I should fucking do that. <laughs> And, and, and then, then that's the easy part, is because then you're just talking about it, and then you're not actually doing anything, you're just talking to people. And the big fear, if you're someone uh, at, at the very beginning, and you have a blog, and you have a book, even your, your blog and your book is influencing a lot of people, it's like, well, shit, well, what if I can just talk? Well, what if I can't actually, 
what if I go out there and I, I actually, all I, my only skill is just talking and I can't actually do anything else. Uh, and, then, and so you have to go out there even if you have that fear and you have to see. You know, today I was surfing in the river uh, in the, uh, just not far from here and every time you hit that wave you're like, okay, it's a little bit bigger than I remember but I have no choice, here I am. And you just like try and get over it. That's beautiful. So, so for people who, my guess is there are a few people in here that are looking to reinvent a little bit or at least pivot. I mean, yours was a, a major pivot. You, you pivoted almost a full 180 degrees. And, and some people, it's pivoting five, 10 degrees. And you still end up in a radically different pl place five years later. Um, for me, that was pivoting from fiction writing to writing nonfiction. Like, it was this small little thing. And, and, uh, and now I write far less fiction and, and much more nonfiction and everything else that we're doing here. What do you think? What do you think people need? What's the leverage that people need in order to, to pivot or to ideally reinvent themselves? I think it's pain. Mm. I know that that's not fun to hear, but it's just like you gotta, you're gonna have, you have to suffer a little bit more where you are than that place. And most of the time you're not suffering that much where you are. So you're actually like, oh, this is fine. <laughs> I can do this, and you're, you're like, you're pro maybe the, pro the suffering is progressively increasing, but not really rapidly, so you're like, I can take this. <laughs> and then, but eventually it's gonna hit some threshold and you're gonna be like, I gotta do this now. I, yeah. got, I gotta switch it away. Because people really like comfort, they really do. And, and they like it even if it's not in their best interest, and even if it's long-term bad. Short-term, it's really good, and that's always true. Will you hang out with us and answer some questions? Sure. It'd be great. Howdy, what's your name, where are you from, and what's your question? Hopefully in that order. Hi guys, my name is Dave, and I'm a minimalist. <laughs> Hi Dave. <laughs> I'm from Prince Edward Island. Oh, welcome. Oh, nice. Canada. Which is about 700 miles east of here, north of Nova Scotia, where you have been. Yes. Where, where I believe Ryan once had a shitty McLobster sandwich. <laughs> Worst decision ever. Josh used to ask on podcasts for callers to write down their questions, so if you don't mind, it's going to help me be a little bit more concise. Heck great. yeah. I have two. One's a real quick one. Why the heck are there promotional photos of Ryan in short hair? <laughs> Jess was just talking to me about this the other day. Was he taking the minimalist thing too far? No. Uh, so Jess, uh, Jessica Williams, who is up here in the private box seats, no, she's just getting really good pictures. She runs all of our social media, and that's why our social media is so awesome these days, is because Jess is one of those millennials who knows how to like use all that social media stuff. Agreed. Um, actually, can we give her a round of applause? She, she usually live tweets from these things as well, right from our account, so you can search like, at the minimalists or the hashtag less is now, which is what we're using for the tour. So all the pithy answers, she cleans them up a little bit and, and puts them out there on the socials. So, so just uh, a couple days ago, she was like, Ryan, every time I post a picture of you with short hair, people freak out. They're like, <laughs> they're like, did Ryan cut his hair? Like, what's going on? So, uh, so when Josh and I first... Um, started the minimalist like I had just left the corporate world and like that was that was my corporate look 
but uh, she told me she like reserved those photos for like Throwback Thursdays now to like make it a little bit more understandable. But it still kind of confuses people. And she was like, "You got. We have to stop posting you with short hair." That's so funny you asked that. Um, it's funny too because uh, when I when I like grew my hair out and like you know just stopped shaving so much, um, my uh, I ran into uh, like my oma and opa. Uh, and they saw me for the first time. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Is this like a long-term thing? I think it's like this uh, rebellious phase that I'm going through, like, I'll never cut my hair, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> or like, it's like, a, you know, it's, it's a, uh, you know, kind of a, um, you know, a middle finger to like the old corporate world. No, no, I just... I actually, I just kind of did it, uh, like grew my hair out just thinking like, oh, you know, maybe it'll look cool. And Josh is like, yeah, I think it'll look good. And I just, I, I, I like it. And, and, and it's, sure. I don't have to get haircuts as much. It's great. Oh. <laughs> now, now we know. Yeah, I, I, um, I said in order for us to start this cult, you're going to have to grow out your hair. <laughs> no, this is, uh, for those of you who are dragged here, this is not a cult. <laughs> Sorry about that. But we, did, we, we do have Nikes and Kool-Aid out in the lobby. <laughs> too too soon, man. Now for the more serious question, and I'm looking for your most sincere response. I know I'm going to get it, but I just wanted to ask for it anyway. I'm a high school math and calculus teacher. Shout out to Ryan. I know he likes that stuff. It's my mission, and it's my passion. I love teaching kids, but it's hard. There are days when it's hard. Anybody out there who's a teacher knows that. What I'd like to know from you, you've done the blog, the books, the documentary, the podcast, and now the touring for which we're very grateful. What is the hardest thing about all of this for you? Wait a minute, you get the summers off, dude. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Like I have, I have so much respect for teachers, man. Appreciate that. Dude, if I had to teach, yeah, give him a round of applause, absolutely. <laughs> If I had to be a teacher and teach a classroom full of students of my 15-year-old asshole self, like, I couldn't imagine, like, how to do it. Um, wait, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, what's the hardest part about doing what we're doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, um, you go first. Yeah, there's three things I hate. <clears throat> Travel, public speaking... And large crowds of people. Um, it's not that I hate those things, but it's what, what Julian was just saying, that those things make me uncomfortable. I'm an introvert. I like spending about 80 to 90% of my time alone. And now I have a family. I have a four-year-old and my partner. And um, it, it's taking time away from them as well is, is also difficult. But I grow immensely through, through this experience. And part of the reason we do this isn't to just get up on stage and talk. It's to listen and to understand what everyone is going through in their own lives. And I learn something new at every single tour stop that we go to. Sometimes it's just something that I'll remember a week, two weeks, a month later, a year later. Say, oh yeah, I remember that time in Jackson, Mississippi when you know, this person asked us this. Or when the five-year-old came up in San Diego and said, I'm getting rid of my extra, my, my, my clothes that don't fit anymore. And, and you, you, you start to learn about people in a way that you can't learn about people if you're just in you know, an ivory tower blogging behind a, you know, a MacBook or something. 
Yeah, I think for me it's like the travel's hard, the uh, staying up till midnight with the hug line, getting back to the hotel, going to bed at 2 a.m., uh, getting up at 7 or 8 a.m. to head to the next city and then doing it all over again day after day. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, I would not change it for the world. I mean, this is, this is effort that I have the energy to put in right now, and I am totally willing to do that. And, like, I'm, so I'm the exact opposite. Like, I'm a huge extrovert. Like, this is, like, I, I have adrenaline going through me right now. Um, people often come up to me in the hug line. They're like, you look tired. And I'm like, no, nah, man, that's just the dopamine hitting me right now. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, I, I really thrive off of it. Um, it's it, it's really hard to leave Mariah for for a few days. Um, she wasn't able to come to this Canadian leg. We are uh, getting ready to move to. I'm just kidding. We'll tell you later. Uh, <laughs> we're we're, uh, we're getting ready. Uh, we are getting ready to make a move. So like she has to be home and like kind of take care of some stuff before we take off. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of hard things. I don't know if I could choose like one of the hardest things, um, but I'll tell you any any really difficult thing that I have to deal with, um, it is, what I do right now is a net positive. And I think that's really um, what I, what I uh, shoot for, is like anything that I do in my life, any you know, social media platform I, I have in my life, any relationship I have in my life, it's like, is it, is it actually draining me or is, it, or is it a net positive? Is it doing mostly positive things for my life? So uh, yeah, that's a great question. I, um, Can I follow up real quick yeah. with, with, with Julian here? So your life, has to be so different now from where it was. You, you're responsible for hundreds of employees all over the world. I mean, several continents at this point you have, you, your business has expanded to. And, and you used to be, I mean, the guy who, I mean, it, your guts were spilling onto like the microphone first and then eventually onto the books and, and blog and everything else. And uh, my guess is, to a certain degree, you probably even have to temper that now uh, in a way that you, you still have to be open and honest, and, uh, but it has to be such a different world for you. What is difficult now about being the CEO of a large company as opposed to blogging at coffee shops? Well, I think like, regardless, like, just like the teacher, exactly like this, you're making a sacrifice, and that sacrifice is worthwhile. Mm. It's just that it's, it, it's like I'm making a sacrifice. Everyone here is making a sacrifice. It's just, is that sacrifice worthwhile? Yeah. And you're making that decision every day. The sacrifices that I make, I, I've been working on one thing and one problem and attacking that one problem from its multiple angles for some like five years. Is that worthwhile? Every time that someone leaves us a review, every time that someone uses our space, every time that they, uh, that they find out or they have, uh, they do, it lets them do something they couldn't do before, you remember that the sacrifice is worthwhile. So I'm sure you have something like that. And you know that that sacrifice is worthwhile. So, I mean, that's, that's just the decision that we have to make deliberately versus by accident. And I think it's important to note too, like it may not always be worthwhile either. I mean, and we have to keep questioning it. And maybe this is the thing you will do with the rest of your life, but there may be a point as well that, that you're like, you have to keep asking. Because if you ask and you say, yes, of course the sacrifice is worth it, then you're gonna feel more convicted in what you're doing. But I also think that if you, if you ask it and you're like, eh, I'm not really sure right now, at least check your pulse and then check it a week later, a month later, and, and make sure that is the, the, the right sacrifice to be making. 
I, I mean, do have, oh, sorry. I do have one more quick thing I wanted to add. On the way down in the plane today, I was listening to Podcast 95 about budgeting. And Ryan, sounds like you're getting close to letting go of the 2004 Toyota Camry. I'm, I'm a couple years away from okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was, a bit of advice for you. Blue Book value, probably not so good. <laughs> but if you were to go to Craigslist or eBay and list it as the minimalist tour bus, vintage condition. <laughs> That's a great idea, man. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I will probably do with that car, actually, when I finally get rid of it? I will probably, like, find someone who really needs it and just, like, donate it. I'm, in Missoula, uh, Montana, we have a lot of uh, refugees coming in from, from all different places. And, like, that's the number one need that people ask for. And I'm like, God, I wish I was in a position right now to just, like, go get a new car and donate this thing. But that's a good idea, man. I could make a few bucks off of it. All right, let's start the bidding right Thank now. You. Do I hear? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks for your question, Thank brother. You. Thank you so much, man. Howdy. What's your name? Hi, my name is Leah. Hey, Leah. Uh, I'm from Montreal, so. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my question is really, um, well, let me just start. I'm someone who has a lot of anxiety, and I feel like once I discovered you guys and minimalism, it sort of helped me start to let go some of that, some of that supposed to. I feel like you said something about that today, Ryan. You said, oh, that's supposed to, I'm supposed to get this, I'm supposed to get that. And I mean, it's helped me let go of, okay, I don't need extra linens or something big like maybe I don't need to get a mortgage soon. Um, but you also talk a lot about values and I do still think that marriage and maybe a wedding in the next couple of years, and my partner, Matt, uh, he agrees with this, uh, it's something that we want. We want a wedding one day. And I wondered what your opinions and ideas were about how I could still value minimalism and that at the same time. Sure, so the first thing I'll say is, minimalism doesn't preclude you from marriage, right? <laughs> Um, there, there was a Globe and Mail article about us in 2012, uh, maybe early 2013. It was an op-ed. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like it was an op-ed piece. piece. Yeah. And uh, this, this lady wrote that uh, these two guys from Ohio got rid of their stuff and their wives and moved into a <laughs> cabin together. <laughs> and while all of that is technically true... <laughs> The, the, the chronology of her op-ed piece was a bit off. Uh, Ryan got married at age 18. Great idea. Yeah. Uh, no. I thought I was so smart at the time. And, and, and here's the thing I'll tell you is, um, if that aligns with your values, I think it's great. And I think that as long as you've thought it through and you have a plan, awesome. The only thing I'll add to that is don't get into debt for it. There's no such thing as good debt. Yeah. No, I, I would totally echo that. Um, I think a wedding is great. I love going to weddings and celebrating. And um, yes, like I think it can be an amazing experience that you and your husband can have. Uh, and, and the people around you, your loved ones, and, and make it a very intimate thing. I just went to my cousin's wedding. It was great. It was a very simple, uh, in this big barn. Um, I literally wore like the, this outfit like right here to his wedding. <laughs> 
He was like, dude, way to dress up. I'm like, we're in a barn, man. <laughs> but it was great. It was a great experience. And uh, yeah, if you, if you have to get into debt to have a wedding, and I'm just going to say this bluntly, like, you're probably not ready to get married. Mm. And it, I can't tell you, and I'm not saying that you personally, but just anyone out there. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, going into, into debt for a wedding is, is kind of silly. And I say that because I can't tell you how many, um, peop- how many people I know combined with, like, the stories I've heard of people who, you know, they'll have this, you know, $15,000, $30,000 wedding. And then, you know, five years later, um, you know, heaven forbid they break up and they're still, like, paying off this wedding debt. So, um, yeah, I, I, you can still embrace minimalism with a wedding by, by having a simple wedding, not going into debt, planning ahead. You, you said a couple years. That's a long time to, like, save up and, and, and to have a really nice wedding. So, you know, minimalism, it's not a perfect life. It's not an easy life. It's a simple one. And simple is not easy. And saving up for a wedding over the next two years probably isn't going to be easy. But if it's something that you two really, really want to do, then, you know, write the plan and, and, and work that plan. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, one other thing. If you suffer from anxiety like I do, um, although I can tell you that I'm far less anxious than I used to be, I, I do tend to be a, a ball of nerves most of the time. And, and because of that, I struggle with, one of my biggest struggles in life is uh, enjoying the moment. Like, I'm always constantly planning stuff out and, like, what's the next step and where are we going here? And, like, Ryan and I are total opposites. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm planning the next, you know, year and Ryan's like, hey, man, what are we doing today? <laughs> and uh, it works really well uh, for, for us um, because we trust each other. And, and what I'll say is I really struggle with enjoying the moment, and it's, it's hard for me. And so when you, do, when you get ready to get to that step, make sure you enjoy it. Yeah, amen. Howdy. Hi. What's my your name? name? My name is Sophie. Uh, first of all, thank you for the inspiration uh, by uh, listening to you and reading all your, po- your, your work and all that. It really inspired me to make some changes that lowered the stress and really improved my life. So I really noticed a big change and big improvement in my life for the last year. So thank you for that. Thank you. I got I to say, like, you know, I remember in the corporate world, every, like, uh, promotion I would get, um, the raises I would get, the things I would get, it had, it had this like uh, diminishing return of value. But when I hear stuff like that, like it feels the same every single time. So thank you very much. It's really great. Thanks for supporting us. Uh, it's, I'm looking for um, maybe more of a suggestion because I live in the suburbs and we probably know this, that the suburbs are like the greatest place for consumption at all. Like everybody consumes everything and I'm surrounded by people at my work also who always want the latest things, the biggest house and everything. And me and my husband, well, my boyfriend, we always want to have it simple, but we're always comparing or being compared to other people. Just like we don't want to buy a house and at least every week or every month, somebody tell, tells me like, 
why don't you want to own a house? Well, you'll own one in, in two years? And I said, no, that's not what we want now. I've had a house, I've had everything like that, I don't want it anymore. And we, we're always confronted with all these ideas from other people. And we live with four teenagers at home, uh, four teenagers who all want the latest gadget and the clothes and everything, and we try to set a good example and talk to them, but I find it difficult sometimes to be confronted with all these people who are looking at us like, okay, you're crazy, you're, you're, going, you're heading the wrong way, and sometimes, like late at night, we question ourselves and say, okay, are we doing the right thing? Yeah, that's what we want. Okay, and then we continue on, but I find it hard sometimes. Julian, you are a... Mozart of confrontation. Um, how would how would you handle something like this? If you're constantly being, you're being what you're saying is you're being judged by others. Judged and questioned, and sometimes I just judged really don't want to answer anymore. I, I do for my children, but with coworkers, it's it's exhausting at one point. You know, you don't want to explain your whole life and all your choices. And when you say something, they they look at you and like, yeah, what? Okay, let's go to Costco and buy some stuff. So it's, they, they sort of don't understand, and I, I find it a bit difficult. Uh, the, the reason they're flagging me with this is because my, my, my entire blog used to be about swearing and yelling at people. I, at some point, you have, to, you have to just conclude that you're different than them, and you just have to stand there, and you have to take pride in the fact that you're different. Not like better, but just be like, I'm not like you, and I, I'm just not. And, and, and you have to, it, it, it makes you like a weird, almost like a statue, like, and, and the water's like hitting you, or like whatever, you know, like the wind is hitting you, and you're just like a statue over time. For the first 10 years, I have epilepsy, so I didn't drink for over 10 years, and I think you're French, when, when you're not drinking, people are like, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? So, <laughs> You're going against current. You're, you're going, going against, against current. And at some point, you're just like, I'm just an against current person. That's just how I am. And sometimes it's, it's weird. Sometimes people, they'll, they'll make jokes about you. They'll be like, oh, that guy's funny or that guy's different. But ultimately, like, there's, the pride in who you are is greater than all of those things. I know like, it's... It's a weird thing because you're constantly confronted by social pressure, like all the time. It still happens to me. It happens to everybody. Uh, it's it's and I, it's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. And and it only stops when you're with your people. So spend more time with your people. Yeah, I'm lucky with that. I'm surrounded by people. Like my sister and my husband, they they're go they're heading the same way. So I'm very lucky for that though. That is right, that is really lucky. Like um, the fact that you do have supportive uh, a supportive husband and 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 uh, or boyfriend. It's funny. I was gonna say if you got kids together and you're living together, it's okay to call him your husband. Like that's, it's, that's it's, totally uh, cool. He had kids. I had kids. Yeah. And we came together, no. so we have a bunch of kids it's now cool. at home. No, it's cool. <laughs> I'm in the same like I like with uh, Mariah and I. Um, I will. I went to her dad. Uh, like we were snowboarding a few months ago. God, way more than a few months ago, man, time flies. And uh, it was last season, and I was like, hey, man, can I just start calling you my father-in-law? Because that's pretty much like how it's going to be. He was like, okay, that's cool, man. Um, he's, a, he's a really cool guy. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I would echo what Julian said, um, but I, I, I guess I would say 
Um, like, why the hell are you like spending time with people who aren't supporting you? I mean, I understand that work at work, at work it happens, but at work, if someone came up to me, they're like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" I'd be like, "It's not your fucking business." <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> like, I mean, you could probably say that a little bit nicer, but at Thank the end you. of the day, like, those are just those are just people you work with. You do not have to answer to them, even it's even if it's your your boss. Like, when it comes to your personal life, philosophy, uh, whatever it may be, like you. You, you do not have to explain yourself. I guess I would just encourage you to um, don't feel like you have to explain yourself as much and uh, to really like live the most authentic life that you can. Howdy, what's your name? My name is Julie, I'm from Montreal. Welcome. I have a quick, uh, a quick question. We're kind of in the process of getting rid of our stuff right now. It's kind of like we're at Maybe we're trying, like, next year going, like, uh, traveling around the world with our three young sons. We have three sons. My question is, how do you get the kids in this kind of process? Because, like, they are right now and with their Legos, with all their toys and everything, and we're trying to say, okay, let's get rid of this, of that. And they say, no, I have to keep this and this and that. So how do you get the kids, like, they already know the kind of, like, we're not this bad, okay? They have stuff, but not like the other families. We try right. to get like few things like here and there, but it's very difficult. Well, let me to ask get you this: what, what what did it take to get you to let go? Um, I was I'm like the lady that was before me. It's uh -huh. like I always been in this kind of like way. I, my worst nightmare was wait, to get even a though when you had a bunch of stuff with, to get with my kids. You know, I would never. <laughs> okay, hold on, so hold on. So even when you had a bunch of stuff, you felt like you were a minimalist? Yes. Okay. Um, so, so but, but what triggered you to start letting go of stuff? What, what, was, what was the pain point? Or, Julian was talking earlier about, about suffering. It's like we heard before, you got, you got the idea of you're working for paying your stuff. And right. we're getting like crazy with that and we're one we're searching a way to just like let go and do something else with our life than just working right well, so wh why did you want to let go because we're not happy right, right. And, you, and you wanted to be happy right yes. and, and you wanted to feel like there was something better than this just consuming on impulse That's right it. Yes. And, and so there's a question I asked during my talk I say how might your life be better with less Right and now you have answers to that. You might be able to pretty easily rattle off five things like, you know what, my finances would be better under control. But guess what? If you go to your kids and say, hey, kid, I have a four-year-old. If I were to tell Ella, you know what, Ella, I need you to have fewer toys because we need to get our finances under control. <laughs> She'd say, what are finances? <laughs> She's on Twitter, by the way, at Ella Sandwich. Um, <laughs> we, we just catalog her life one tweet at a time. Um, but she, uh, uh, she is really good at letting go of stuff now because we've developed the habit. And so the thing that I tell parents and that I practice myself is something I call show, tell, show. I have to show her through my actions. I have to explain to her what I'm doing. Then I have to show her again. And then when I explain it to her, I'm going to explain it to her in terms that she understands. How might your life be better with less means better finances for you. But for her, it might mean 
or it might mean you know, I have fewer toys to clean up. And I finally have her, within the last few months, understanding that if she gets rid of something she no longer plays with, some other kid has the ability to play with it. She's finally just barely beginning to understand what contribution means. And I think it's, she's not going to get it overnight, but she'll get it in the long term. By the time she's an adult, she'll understand what it means to give. Howdy. Hi, oh, I'm a little bit shorter. I have to move <laughs> Hi, my name is Brittany. I'm from upstate New York. Hey, Brittany. Hi. Um, I just had a quick question. So a lot of us millennials were graduating college, and we're graduating college in a lot of debt. <laughs> and I just had a quick question. What's your best advice that you can give us, like, moving forward into the next step in our life? Man, I wish I could tell you what your exact next step is in your life. <laughs> um, but, you know, Josh and I, we don't have all the answers. we got about 17 and, uh, <laughs> and they help a lot of people out. But you no, know, seriously, though, um, at the end of the day, like, minimalism is not about, uh, again, living this perfect life. I, I think for me, and, and you don't have to, you know, out, by the way, for those who are dragged out here, you don't have to call it minimalism. You can call it simplicity, uh, deliberate living, whatever you want. Um, I, I think living that lifestyle, what it does is it, help you, it helps you pave your own road towards the things that are really, really important. So, you know, the first step for me, it was really figuring out what was important in my life. And that's why I had that packing party. And then after that, I started to realize, oh, wow, like all these things, they weren't just like weighing me down mentally, but they were actually preventing me from, from living up to uh, my values and beliefs, like for, it prevented me from focusing on my my priorities. It's funny, like if you were to to have asked me, like, hey Ryan, what are your priorities? I would have been like, well, my health is my priority. If I'm not healthy, well, then what do I have? But I was drinking a lot, doing a lot of drugs. I was going out to uh, in the in, in Ohio. We have uh, White Castle. Like you hit that up at like three o'clock in the morning after you're leaving the the bar. Uh, and then I would say, oh, my relationships. Oh, it's really, you got to have good people in your life. If you don't have good people in your life, well, then what do you have? My mom lived a half hour away. I saw her maybe a couple times a year. Uh, my dad, the same exact, the same exact thing. Hardly ever saw him. Uh, in fact, my, my closest friends, um, I probably saw them the least. And I was hanging out with, uh, instead, I was hanging out with, you know, um, networking buddies and uh, who, who was important in the community and, and in customers and focusing on that. So when I was, you know, s uh, sitting there faced with all of my things and realizing, like, wow, here are these, like, tens of thousands of dollars worth of things that I brought into my life. And in order for me to have these things, I've had to ignore the most important people in my life. And if I didn't spend all this money, like, maybe I actually could save some some money up and, and retire you know retire early and and actually focus on my priorities and it really helped me see that hey my priorities it's not what I say they are it's what I actually do so I, I guess uh, what I would encourage you to do is really lay out like what are those values and beliefs like what makes you tick what gets you excited what are your priorities what do you need to focus on next and that's going to be different for everyone only, only thing I add to that is is stop and what I mean by that is the best way to get out of a hole is to stop digging, and, and debt is a hole. Personal debt will prevent you from feeling free. It will prevent you from making certain decisions you want to make in your life. I stayed in the corporate world longer than I wanted to 
because I had to start pouring every last dollar toward getting out of debt. It wasn't my money anymore. I was already spending toward the next promotion and I had to stop in order to get out of that crater and walk in the direction that I wanted to walk. Thank you, I appreciate it, thanks. Howdy, what's your name? Uh, my name is Rachel, I'm from Montreal as well, and I'm also a little bit shorter. Um, basically, I just wanted to say first that your documentary was a, a very big inspiration for me. Actually, it got me out of this place where I was kind of stuck. Like, I would feel when I was in my home alone, I would feel crowded by the stuff that was in my place. And when I saw the movie, actually, that same night, I started thinking about, oh, I could get rid of this. I could get rid of that. I could, and I started getting, like, freaking out about everything that I could get rid of. And actually, one thing that I found after a certain time is I would constantly be looking for more things to get rid of. Eventually, it came to this point where it, it started to even be a problem where I would have to get rid of it everything sure um, but the one thing that got me stuck again at that point is even if I was getting rid of stuff I would get that rush when I would get rid of something mm -hmm. but I still don't know how to answer the hard questions I still don't know where I'm going I and I, I can't find how to get those answers even though I feel better in my place I still don't know how to push this forward and go forward like past that point of getting rid of things. Mm. Our friend uh, Rob Bell, he, uh, he was on our podcast recently, and he sometimes tells the story of a rabbi in the first century who is um, traveling from a nearby village back to his village. He's a little drunk. It's late at night. He just had dinner. And he's traveling back to his village, and he reach, reaches this fork in the road, and he forgets which way he's supposed to go to get back to his village. He knows that one way is going to take him to his village. The other way is going to take him to a Roman outpost. And so he takes the left way and starts walking for about a mile, 1.6 kilometers. <laughs> oh. Impressive. And wouldn't you know, he ends up at the Roman outpost. And the guard at the top of the outpost says, Who are you? And what are you doing here? And the rabbi pauses. He said, What'd you say? He said, Who are you? And what are you doing here? He said, How much are they paying you? And he tells him it's like $100 a day. He says, I will pay you twice that if you show up at my house every morning and ask me those two questions. I think if we want better answers, we have to start asking better questions in our life. And so you might be asking yourself certain questions right now, but what are the best questions that you can ask yourself? And I don't know what those questions are for you. You know, I gave you some earlier. Why have I been so discontented? Who's the person I want to become? How am I going to define success? And those are tough questions. And you're not even going to get the answer right the first time or the second time. But I think you'll get there if you keep asking questions like that.
Thank you. Hey, hey before, before we move on, um, I want to do something. We, we have a segment called Right Here, Right Now, where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We've got a bunch of stuff going on. And we're going to, if we have, do we have any other questions? Do we answer all your questions? We have some people back there, right? We'll do a bonus, we'll do some bonus questions here in a moment. Um, but we're, we're doing some stuff right now. I first want to encourage you, if you, if you haven't heard of Breather, for the folks listening at home or the folks here, um, Julian's company has been expanding like crazy. I think it's, you're opening one space a day now. That's true. When I heard that, I, I didn't believe it at first. I'm like, that's... That, that, that sounds insane, right? I mean, it, it's, it's magnificent growth, but it's a, it, as a minimalist, what you do uh, aligns with my values. Why is that? A, a, because I think we are shifting from a, a culture of ownership to a culture of access. Yeah. And you don't have to own an office that costs thousands of dollars a month in order for you to be productive or to just get away, to have a breather of sorts. And, and you can do it by the hour now. And that's really what, what you're offering for people is you don't have to own this thing. You have to maintain the thing. You don't have to clean the thing. Because when we buy something, we don't think about all these other costs that aren't embedded. Having a cleaning staff and having people, uh, or, or you're having to paint the walls and re-carpet and, and put floors in. There are all these embedded costs that, that you don't think about beyond the initial price tag of having something. And you eliminate that when you have access to something, whether that's a public park, but we don't have public parks for office space. And you're providing that in a way. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's a public good in the sense that the public has access to it. Obviously, you have to pay for it. That's how a business works. Um, and as minimalists, we're not allergic to money, right? Uh, it's not about being poor or being an ascetic. It's about what's going to augment my experience of life. And, and what you're talking about is, is a phenomenon that's referred to in some circles as death of the ownership society, which means we, we're coming from a world where everyone owns things because they have to and because it's easy to a world where access is easier than ownership and way, way, way more affordable. Yeah, and, and uh, way less stressful too, man. It's one of the reasons we're moving. So we could probably talk about that real quick since... You can just keep it between us, right? We're not announcing it until this, this coming Tuesday. I'm actually flying there tomorrow to move. My, my partner is in, in route right now, uh, Rebecca, and she, is, uh, she has a very small U-Haul, not a 26-foot truck. It's the smallest thing that she'd attach to our vehicle, basically. And um, uh, we're going to the place where people go to tell stories. Uh, tomorrow I'm moving to Los Angeles, California, and so is Ryan. And one of the reasons is, is exactly what you're talking about. It's having access to, I mean, networks of people and also access to, I mean, we want to do a lot more video and film stuff and, and obviously access to that community, but also access to spaces. You know, uh, uh, some of my favorite places in, in the country happen to be there in Los Angeles just because you have so many people in LA that, that, that you can share this space, you can pay for access. I don't have to own a, a sauna to be able to go to a sauna, right? You can just pay to, to go there. Uh, and, and I think we're moving more and more toward that. And the more that we can outsource from having to own, the more it sort of frees up that, that weight that, that's sort of occupying the back of our minds all the time. So, Julian, I just want to say I'm 
thank you for the work that you, that you did. That was really inspirational. But what's inspirational now is the ability to constantly reinvent yourself, to, to pivot. And uh, I'm grateful you're, you're our friend, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank to you guys for what you do. Thanks, man. If you'll stick around, we'll do some bonus questions. But real quick, um, we've got a few things going on. Y'all heard about the floods that are going on in, in, in Houston right now, right? You've seen the, the incredible damage. And it's going to take uh, months. Honestly, it's going to take years to repair the damage. And we just started working with a nonprofit called Global Giving. They're on the ground right now in Houston. And 100% of the money donated to them goes to the, the immediate re rescue and relief fund of what's going on now, but also the rebuilding of the city, which is going to take place. Over 100,000 houses have been affected by this. And uh, we don't know how many people are dead yet. We don't know how many people are homeless. Um, we, we don't know how many people are, are, um, are suffering right now. And what Ryan and I, one of, one of our core values is contribution. One of our foundational values is, is contribution. And so we're doing, uh, for those of you listening to this at home, we're doing an event in Houston on November 5th. And 100% of the profits from that event are going to go to Global, Giving, uh, Global Giving's uh, Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund. Uh, uh, Two or three other things. We're on tour right now. We're in the middle of this 40-city tour. It's called the Less Is Now Tour. You can find all the dates, cities, theaters, etc. at lessisnow.com. It's all of North America and all of Canada. All of Canada is sold out. So uh, thank you for showing up and representing Canada. And over half of the cities in the United States are sold out, but there are still some tickets left uh, in, in a lot of those cities. Lessisnow.com. We're coming to Australia next year as well. And so you can check out, yeah, Australia. Um, you can check out the dates over there, uh, lessisnow.com. I'm also teaching my last writing class for a long time. So I've been teaching a writing class for online for the last five years. It's called How to Write Better. It's a two-hour uh, workshop. I do a four-week class as well that is all automated, but I know many of you don't have time to take an entire four-week class, so I distilled the best parts into a two-hour live workshop. It's October 22nd, uh, howtowritebetter.org. You can find all the details for that. And, uh, oh, we're building... One of the other reasons we're moving to, to L.A. is we're building a podcast and film studio. And now is where we talk about all of our sponsors, Right? <laughs> no, you know, uh, we think advertisements suck. And you see 5,000 advertisements a day. I don't want you to see 5,001. And so our podcast is 100% um, reader and listener supported. And uh, that's thanks to you. We're able to build the podcast and film studio. None of the money, $0 goes to me or Ryan from the contributions. We started something called Patreon. Uh, it's a Patreon page where you can donate a couple bucks per episode, and all that money helps us build this podcast and film studio. So head on over to theminimalists.com, click on the donate button at the top, and you can contribute one time via PayPal or repeatedly on Patreon. And if you do that, we do, we're do, every week now we've been doing these private podcasts for the last month or so, and hopefully we'll keep doing it that frequently. And right now I'd like to do a, a little mini private podcast with the 600 of you and uh, the people who are listening at home on Patreon. But um, if you have a question or a comment at home, a comment or a tip for any of uh, the people who asked questions today or anything we talked about, you can give us a call. 
leave us a voicemail, 416-219-7839. 406. Did I say 416? You did. Don't call that number. <laughs> oh, that's a wait, Seattle number. Wait, just, 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 just say the number again. Sean can edit it. <laughs> uh, give us a call, 406-219-7839. It's my favorite part of the show where people call in at the end. And I learn so much from other people. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not even a real minimalist. I didn't think of that or that or that. There's a handful of messages at the end of each episode. And so uh, you can check that out at the end. I want to thank a few people before, uh, before we hop off. Um, we, Ryan and I, we, we are sort of the face of, of this thing. But it takes an entire team of people, a couple of whom are with us. We already thanked Jess. We don't want her head to get too big. So let's not thank her again. Um, <laughs> But um, Podcast Sean is lurking in the shadows. And let me tell you, before we, before we give him any applause, he is, he is a producer of a podcast. He is our tour manager. He is our road manager. He is our book editor. He is our website editor. He is our um, podcast editor. And he is an all-around outstanding human being. And... Uh, Sean, I, I know that people say we couldn't do without you, but the truth is we could. <laughs> but it wouldn't be nearly as awesome, brother. Thank Not you so much all. for being here. Podcast Sean, ladies and gentlemen. We love you, man. We will hang out after this. We'll, we'll be out, uh, out there in about 20 minutes or, or so after this whole thing wraps up. Um, you're welcome to come out and uh, purchase a book if you would like. If you didn't bring your wallet or you just can't afford a book, we're happy to buy, buy you one so you can have a book on us as well. Uh, we'll take some pictures and, and all that fun stuff. Um, but the last person I want to thank here tonight is, is you. You decided to spend some money to be here tonight. You know, it costs 25, 30 bucks. Or if you're those fancy VIP people, more than that, they get first in line access after the event. Um, but, um, and we're really grateful that you decided to spend, um, some money because it allows us to hire security, to pay the staff, to pay Sean and Jessica and travel and actually stay in a hotel. Believe it or not, we used to sleep on reader's floors just a few years ago, um, or at rest stops in Ryan's Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and now we have an actual hotel room, um. And so, yes, thank you for all of that, and uh, we get to have an awesome venue, and it's because you contributed, but you contributed something much more than that. You gave up your two most precious resources tonight, your time and your attention, and we're grateful for that. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for being here, y'all. Thank you so much, Montreal. Hello, this is Ariel from Pensacola, Florida. I wanted to address the high schooler that wanted to know if all the hard work she was doing now was worth graduating college debt-free. As someone who graduated debt-free, I can say yes, it is. Although I do not fully subscribe to the no debt is good debt, I have witnessed my friends earn less than half of their salaries because their money is going to paying off their student debt. I've seen my own mother getting phone calls from her college and being unable to get licenses across state lines because her college would not release her information due to debts over 30 years old. 
Graduating without unnecessary debt allowed me to be the first of my friends to start an IRA, to buy a house, and at the time use the tax credit from buying a house to buy a new car. Careful planning and hard work grow exponential benefits that you will not be able to receive if you start your life by entrenching it in debt. Being debt-free is the best investment you can make in yourself. Work hard, sweetheart. You can do it. Hey, guys. I'm Carly calling from Queensland, Australia. Sorry about my crackly voice. I'm actually recovering from a chest infection. Um, but I'm calling because I heard Joshua say on an episode recently that he didn't believe that gift-giving should be classed as a love language. Um, I've really been struggling with this idea ever since I heard that because, especially now that we're heading into the Christmas season, um, because I'm someone that's always got a lot of joy out of giving gifts, and I put a lot of thought into the things that I get people. This year, I'm actually even throwing a wrapping paper party. I've always hated the waste that comes from gift wrap, so I've organized an architectural company to save their site plans for me, and we'll decorate those as wrapping paper when they would normally just be recycled. Um, but getting back to gift giving as a love language, I do believe that giving presents, even physical things, can be a love language. And I actually think that minimalism can help you become a better gift giver and help you refine this particular way of expressing love. Uh, these days, I tend to give a lot of gift certificates for experiences as gifts, which is something I know you guys recommend. Things like cinema and massage vouchers. Or in the past, I've even given people hang gliding gift certificates. If I do buy a physical thing, I make sure it's something very special that I know for a fact the person will get a tremendous amount of value from or that they've been coveting for a long time. I also steer clear of anything that's disposable, poor quality, or anything that's really just a filler gift to make a Christmas tree look more impressive. When I was a child, my family did Christmases really big, but now that I'm a mother myself, I'm not ashamed of the fact that I only give my child a small handful of presents but they're all very special things that really do come from my heart. Hi, my name's Teresa, and I'm calling from Indianapolis. And I've just found your podcast, so I'm going through them randomly, and this is about podcast number 92. Somebody mentioned they had a lot of papers, and they mentioned medical. I just retired from working in medical records in an oncology office. Please, please obtain and keep your own medical records. Uh, scan them into a secure file. The law only requires medical facilities to keep those for seven years. And if a doctor can't verify your previous diagnosis and treatment, it could affect your current treatment and treatment plan. So please take care of your medical records. Make them available for your next doctor. Hope you don't need them, but thank you much. Bye. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for, and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it. So tear your eyes away, or tear. 